Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to Connect on blogtalkradio.com. Catch us on the web at umconnect.info. Welcome to this episode of Connect. I'm Michael Rich, the Web and Communications Manager for the Western North Carolina Conference. Today's guest is Randy Harry, and he is the new district superintendent in the Smoky Mountain District. He's a graduate of UNC Chapel Hill, both an undergrad and law school, and after working as an attorney, he went to Erskine Divinity School and graduated in 1999. He's been serving in the church since 1996 and in this conference since his graduation uh, from Erskine. Prior to moving here in July to the district office, he was serving at Cashers United Methodist up in Cashers, North Carolina. So, Randy, welcome to the show, and we're going to find out more about this background and how it all happened. Thank you, Michael. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, so let's go back and tell us a little bit about your beginnings. Where did you grow up, uh, the schools you went to, and how you ended up at UNC Chapel Hill? Well, um, I wasn't from North Carolina originally. I, I was actually born in uh, Brooklyn, New York. Uh, my father was a, a merchant marine officer. Um, he sailed out of New York City. And um, my mother was uh, an immigrant from uh, Germany. And uh, they, um, they met on the, uh, on the ship that she was crossing the Atlantic in, uh, hmm. and on which he was an officer. And uh, that took them both to New York City then, and I came along uh, sometime thereafter. I'm the first of uh, three children uh, in the family. We uh, eventually uh, we moved around in various places when my dad would go to different ports and uh, finally made our way down uh, to North Carolina um, when I was um, uh, a preteen. Okay. So. So where did you end up in North Carolina? You told me this story before, but I, I grew up on the uh, the, the coast uh, in Currituck County, which is uh, the northernmost part of the uh, Outer Banks. Okay, uh, you may have heard of Elizabeth City. Oh, That's sure. the largest town in that area. Uh, Corolla, the Corolla Light, that that area. So it's a great place to grow up. Uh, the ocean is close, um, and both North Carolina beaches as well as uh, Virginia Beach. So right. that was uh, that was home. And uh, Norfolk, Virginia, was sort of sort of a, a center for us as well. Okay, so you finish high school down in uh, that part of the state, mm-hmm. and you end up at UNC Chapel Hill. What were you uh, studying when you first went there? Well, I uh, I studied political science and economics. I had a double major in those two, and uh, came there anticipating going to law school, and in fact did that. Uh, I was um, pretty much aimed toward uh, the practice of law for about as long as I can remember thinking of any career. In fact, it was about the only one that I had in mind. Um, I I think it may have uh, stemmed from my parents as I was a young kid uh, telling me that I should be a lawyer because I argue all the time. Well, (laughs) you know, that's what we tell almost all kids. (laughs) Well, I took it to heart. Well, there you go. So you went straight from college into uh, law school. I did. And you finished law school. Uh, and you come out and you practice law. Mm-hmm. So how long did you do that? Well, I practiced for 12 years. Okay. Uh, and that was uh, with a small firm uh, in downtown Norfolk. Uh, there you um, you practice in a lot of different cities. Uh, there are a lot of small towns that comprise Tidewater, Virginia. 
and uh, so we were practicing. I was a trial attorney. Uh, we did uh, real estate as well as Wilson Estate and other um, areas of practice, but, uh, but we did a lot of trial work. And um, so I practiced there, and I was also uh, licensed in North Carolina as well, had a, a license in both states. Okay. So somewhere along the line, you hear a call to ministry. Tell me how that happened. Well, um, yeah, that was an interesting thing, to say the least, um, and um, certainly not what I had anticipated, uh, as I said earlier, uh, thinking from a career point of view that it would be law. But um, um, I guess it was in my 10th year of, uh, of practice, and um, uh, at that point, uh, I was in a, a pretty good situation, uh, again, with this same firm that I had started with and uh, was developing and growing my own practice. I was also working with one of the senior partners, and um, the expectation was, uh, he was getting up there in years, and the expectation was that I would be uh, likely taking on his practice as well. So uh, things were pretty set uh, mm-hmm. in that regard from a career point of view, but um uh, again, in my 10th year, um, I started feeling an uneasiness, uh, and I, it was hard to describe what that was all about. Uh, at the same time, um, my wife and I uh, were active members of uh, Ghent United Methodist Church in downtown Norfolk, had been members there uh, since we had uh, married and, and established our home there. Uh, I was very active in the church, uh, working with the outreach uh, team, uh, doing theater in the church. Uh, I was lay leader. All of those things were um, a big part of my life. So the, the church and my relationship with God was, of course, a central part for me. But I never considered it an, you know, as a career option. Mm-hmm. Um, I had not felt a calling, didn't think in those terms at all, and uh, quite frankly had never envisioned myself as being a pastor. But in that 10th year, I went through a period of, of as I said, uh, um, um, uneasiness as far as what future uh, might lay before me, what God might have in store. And so I began praying about it, uh, mm-hmm. really uh, going through a period of discernment and asking God to uh, guide me in that regard to, um, in fact, um, quite frankly, I was looking for peace, mm-hmm. and I was hoping that that peace would be just where I was. I really thought, if not, that God might guide me in terms of another um, law firm or uh, another area of law, for example, another area of practice. So for whatever reason, I, I just continued to have that uh, as I said, that, that lack of peace, but was hoping for it. Um, and um, everything, uh, everything I should say, changed, so to speak, um, uh, in terms of finding that peace uh, on uh, January the 7th, uh, 1994. Okay. I was uh, driving to work that day. And uh, at that time, uh, my wife and I were living out in the suburbs in Suffolk, Virginia. Uh, it was about a 30-minute commute to work. And um, I had a practice of that time of uh, of driving to work, listening to a sermon each morning. Um, it's it's funny as I look back on my on my calling. Um, I say it took place on that day, but in many respects, I think God works on us and and is calling oh, sure. us in other ways. So I can piece together a lot of other things in the course of my life growing up, um, where I can see the foundations already being laid. But um, again, on that particular day. Um, as I was driving to work, um, continuing to contemplate uh, where God might be leading me and what that might look like, um, all of a sudden, and it was that sudden, um, I suddenly understood myself as a pastor, hmm. um, that I, that's where God was guiding me. And um, I, to say that I was surprised is an understatement. 
Um, I also was exceedingly joyous. The, there's a we have these experiences in life sometimes where we experience the peace of Christ. I certainly have um, had those moments where there is almost a physicality to mm. that peace. This was one of those times. And um, uh, in that moment, um, that assurance that this is what God wanted me to do uh, came over me. I was um, driving by myself, uh, <laughs> joyous, uh, singing, uh, crying, laughing, um, I've laughed about it since thinking, uh, you know, other drivers who may have passed me must have wondered what was going on inside that car. But nonetheless, right. uh, it was quite a quite an amazing experience for me. And um, I uh, drove to work and uh, first thing I did was call my wife uh, and I said, you're not going to believe what just happened. <laughs> <laughs> I'll bet you she didn't at that point. She yeah. didn't. Wow. Do you remember uh, who the preacher was and, the, and what that sermon was about? Well, in this particular day, that's the interesting thing. I, I, I said that as an aside. I, I generally would listen to a sermon, uh, David Jeremiah's, who I used to listen to uh, at that time. Uh, I, it was because of the timing was perfect for me. I, again, uh, Norfolk is um, um, a city that has a lot of tunnels and bridges oh, yeah. in and out of it, so I would generally... Uh, arrive at the office a little after the rush hour so as to avoid some of that, and then I would work later at night and not deal with the rush hour on the way out as well. So that half an hour between 9 and 9.30, there was usually the David Jeremiah preaching on the uh, on the Christian radio station that was in our area. Um, this particular day, I was running late to work, um, and uh, this calling occurred um, sometime around 9.30 uh, or thereafter. Uh, he was not preaching that day. There was just music playing. Hmm. Um, so it was uh, it was not a sermon that uh, triggered anything in that okay. regard. In fact, it was music without lyrics, which is an interesting thing as well. That is interesting. But, uh, yeah, very interesting. So, um, how did you end up here in North Carolina? Well, um, the um, the first thing I did, uh, of course, after informing my wife, was to uh, do the normal things of uh, contacting my pastor in, in short order. Uh, was blessed by his affirmation of that calling. I didn't know what he would say about it. Um, and then I began the uh, candidacy process okay. um, in Virginia. Uh, I was in the Norfolk district of uh, the Virginia Conference, and uh, similar to ours, I uh, was assigned uh, a clergy mentor um, and went through that process and intentionally took some time with it because, quite frankly, this was quite a shift for me. Mm. Um, and I was giving myself the opportunity to see things differently and maybe to have a clarification on that, what God might have in store for me to make sure that this was not just, um, uh, you know, some weird thought on my part, that this is indeed where God is leading me. So I ended up taking um, a full, actually over two years uh, in that process before I was ready to say, yes, I'm, I'm, I'm going to follow this calling. And in that in that two years, I had an amazing number of uh, positive affirmations. My pastor was giving me preaching opportunities there in the church. Mm. I wasn't sharing yet with the congregation, and early on that that's what I was why I was doing that. Um, when I did, they were abundantly supportive. Mm -hmm. And um, then eventually, of course, I had to let my law partners know that uh, wow. that something was going to change. And that, right. so that was again down the road. I, I didn't begin the at the beginning, uh, didn't start that at the beginning uh, by sharing with them. But um, um, when I did, they were, again, um, gracious and, and supportive. The um, In answer to your question about how I got down here, the idea was that uh, I was sort of on loan. I was uh, I went to Blackstone, Virginia for the licensing school, got my local pastor's license there, and uh, went to seminary. 
um, in, in this area. Again, um, interesting route. It seemed to have a lot of interesting routes as far as my journey is concerned. But um, uh, started at Gardner Webb, um, okay, and 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 that was because um, we were looking at different options, praying over it. And um, quite frankly, I was just looking at seminaries, seeing what might be out there, what options. Uh, my folks lived in the northeastern corner of North Carolina. My wife was from the western, southwestern part of North Carolina, Kings Mountain. Oh, okay. And uh, we both had gone to Chapel Hill to school, so that was in the middle. In the middle, but we figured that um, um, we might uh, find ourselves in, near one of them or the other one set of parents. And um, I found out that Gardner Webb had a had a seminary, and Gardner Webb was only thirty minutes from right. my wife's uh, parents' home, and they had a vacant guest house that my father-in-law had been fixing up. Uh, for the last several years, which was quite a, a pleasant uh, thing for us, as it turns out, when we had a place to stay that helped us um, in this new time in our lives mm. when uh, economic considerations suddenly came to the fore. For sure. Um, and uh, started there. I'd written the University Senate, asked them about this plan. They said, as long as you find a school that will accept the uh, transfer of your credits, that'll be fine, because it wasn't one of the approved schools yet. It was a fairly new seminary. And right. so Erskine was one that said that they would do that, and they were only two hours away and allowed for a commute. So I got a student pastor at assignment in um, uh, what was then the Gastonia district, right. and uh, Tom Sigmund was my district superintendent. And uh, so that was what I did. I was a student pastor there, and the aim was that I would go to seminary and then return to Virginia. Um, in the meantime, um, there were several folks who, as time went on, said, you know, you might want to consider Western North Carolina as a as a permanent home. Okay. And um, we, we finally did, and um, for a number of reasons. Um, our, our daughter, our only child, uh, came along during that period of time as well, and that sort of helped uh, uh, convince us that this might be the place to be as well. Plus, it's a, it is a terrific conference, and we started growing closer to a lot of uh, clergy and other folks here, so we finally decided to make it uh, a more permanent uh, arrangement. Okay. So you served here, and I know uh, in Gastonia. I know you served in Brevard, and then you went from Brevard up to Cashers. And I was working in Cashers at the time, so we knew each other there. Mm-hmm. Um, it comes to the point where um, you get a call from your DS saying you're going to uh, be asked to be on the cabinet. What what was that phone call like? <laughs> well. Uh, as as a as a fellow clergy person, you know when you get the call from the district superintendent, it's mm. uh, it's usually something that makes the wheeze, the, the 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 knees a little weak, right? That's for uh, sure. Huh? And uh, this was no exception. Um, it was uh, in late March uh, of this year. The appointment making process had been well underway, and I had um, uh, no expectation that I was uh, to be moved. Um, in fact, I had. Uh, requested that I not be and uh, uh, made that clear that I was looking forward to a long relationship there at Cashers. Sure. Um, it was a great, a great uh, ministry situation. And uh, But, um, yeah, Amy Coles gave me a call and uh, on a Saturday and uh, asked me, uh, I think, to break the ice whether or not uh, I had finished my sermon yet for Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> and my voice cracked and I I, I fessed up and said, no, I haven't. <laughs> so there we are. Uh, that She did uh, very kindly break the news and told me the bishop wanted to meet with me and uh, to talk about this. Okay. Well, what we're going to do now is take a break, and then we will be back and talk more about what it was like those first days as a DS. And so here now from 
Sally Quinn, one of our conference staff members. My name is Sally Queen, and I'm the Associate Director of Ministerial Services. By virtue of our baptism, we are all called into ministry. This call is being faithfully lived out in the communities of Western North Carolina as people of all ages participate in building God's kingdom. Others are responding to God's call to license or ordain ministry by committing to faithfully lead our churches in vitality. All who are called are using their talents and gifts to follow Jesus, make disciples, and transform the world. The United Methodist Foundation of Western North Carolina is a ministry of the church for the church whose mission is to build a church for generations to come. We fulfill this vision by investing in people as well as helping churches and related institutions invest the financial resources that God has given to them. My name is David Snipes, and we look forward to the day when you give your United Methodist Foundation a call. And you can find out more about the United Methodist Foundation of Western North Carolina at our sponsor page on the show's website, umconnect.info. And so we're back here with Randy Harry, and he was just telling us about getting the phone call, uh, saying you're going to be a DS. And, and you've been in this office since July the 1st. And I was just wondering, how did those first days go? It's always interesting to hear the stories of a new DS. How, how did those first days on the job? Well, you know, it, it, first of all, it's interesting um, how we define the first days. And by that I mean... Um, in in fact, when when you are um, invited to become a district superintendent, your, your life changes immediately. Right. Um, the bishop uh, encourages you to participate in cabinet meetings from that point on. So there is actually a period of a couple few months where you're actually overlapping between two jobs. You're not yet doing the job of the district superintendent, right. but you're there to observe. And you have the cabinet's calendar suddenly is overlaying yours. So it gets pretty uh, intense there in those few months. And I've talked with other district superintendents about that, and they've all remembered those days where right. you don't really have a, a free moment, plus you're trying to move. Exactly. So it's, uh, <laughs> it's a lot going on. But in terms of, uh, um, you know, my my uh, first days on the job here physically in the office at Lake Junaluska, um well, it's it's much the same it has been for the last couple of months. It's a lot of learning, mm. and um, um, it, it's a very different kind of job than um, than the pastor of a local church. Right. Many things are similar, but many things are very different. So, uh, tremendously uh, steep learning curve. Well, let's talk about the things that you find similar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what are those things? Well. We're first and foremost pastors. Okay, that's what our calling to the ministry is. And so, um, while um, as a district superintendent, I'm not really the pastor to the pastors. That's a, a term that's been kicked around a lot of times. I am a pastor on one level, but I can't be a pastor fully in the sense of uh, a confidant. Uh, the confidential communications between uh, a pastor and a district superintendent. Um, may have consequences that sure. uh, other uh, conversations would not between fellow clergy. So um, that that relationship changes, but we still act as pastors, and so we still act um, and are motivated by the love of Christ. Uh, we have, um, uh, you know, we all share the same common desire that, that uh, the church, and I say that with a capital C, grows, um, that uh, Christ's kingdom is furthered. 
so um, we are we call on those skills and and um, from a uh, in a relational point of view it's it's similar uh, the skills that you develop in a local church to um, uh, build trust between you know, yourself and and the members of your congregation are the similar skills that you have to draw on as a district superintendent I'm earning the trust of my uh, colleagues in this in this district and uh, their churches uh, so that's a, a, a process that takes some time and uh, it's one that um, we uh, have to um, um, work on and and through relationships so okay so what's the difference uh, what, what's the most difficult part of going from being a pastor of a local church to being the superintendent well, one of the things is what I, in, in, in essence, what I was just talking about, because okay. the relationship becomes a little different. Yeah. Um, here I have the um, um, the opportunity for um, a wider range of relationships. Uh, far more churches I'll be interacting with, far more clergy I'll be interacting with. But the truth of the matter is, there are only so many hours in the day. Right. So um, the depth of my relationship won't be quite what it can be. Um, in a local church with regard to the members of that congregation. So immediately I, I recognize that as a, as, a, as a loss in many respects. Uh, again, one gains in terms of numbers, but there's a loss perhaps in depth. Um, and um, for me, another, another change, a significant one that I was uh, quite frankly a little afraid of uh, as I was anticipating, and that was uh, not being uh, in the pulpit on Sunday mornings. Uh, I've felt called to preach from mm-hmm. the start. Um, and um, um, so my fear was that, wow, you know, that's that's such a significant part of who I am as a as a pastor. I'm pleasantly learning that uh, there are a lot of opportunities for me to preach as a district superintendent, and so um, I'm I'm getting in the pulpit uh, far more than I thought I would be. Uh, so that's great. That's been that's been gratifying, and I'm I'm thankful for that. Yeah, I, I suspect that you could preach every Sunday if. That was your goal, but um, it's a lot different, I think, preaching in a different church every Sunday. Than... Well, it is. I mean, that's that's another thing. One, I, I can't do that because of my job. Part of my job is to uh, to observe and, and evaluate our, our clergy. So uh, I can't be preaching every Sunday. Otherwise, right. I'm only hearing myself, obviously. Um, but yeah, that's the other thing. Uh, it, it is a, and again, it's like a lot of things in life. There's there's both a positive and a negative. Sure. Um, the negative um, of visiting various churches is that um, um, you know you, you are a visitor every Sunday, and uh, even as the district superintendent, you're still a visitor. Right. Um, it, that that sort of occurred to me shortly after uh, accepting Bishop Goodpastor's invitation. Um, was that for the first time in my life, as well as the first time in my wife's life and our daughter's life, we don't have a home church. Right. That's a weird feeling. Mm. Um, and uh, so that's that's a challenge. But the the flip side of that is that we are encountering some remarkable uh, worship experiences. We are blessed to hear some terrific pastors in our in our district and uh, and to worship with some great folks in a variety of churches. So. There is a great upside to this as well, and so we're being blessed by those experiences. So, Okay. Well, you've been at this for a couple of months now. Um, tell us what you know about the Smoky Mountain District so far. And, and you had the benefit that you were serving in this district mm-hmm. for, uh, I forget how many years, but quite a few years prior to that. Uh, but you know, what, what does the new DS see this district to be about? And it's much different than the other districts within mm-hmm in uh, this conference, but uh, what are your impressions of it? 
Well, yeah, you're right. Uh, Michael, I was uh, serving um, um, in the district for five and a half years at Cashers. Um, but Cashers is a fairly remote area, uh, mm. as you know. And uh, so um, uh, I can't say that uh, Cashers is, is, is necessarily typical of, of every place in this district. In fact, I'd say just the opposite. It is quite uh, different, <laughs> yes. And uh, so in that regard, uh, yes, I was here, but I didn't really have a full appreciation for the whole district. Um, particularly um, parts farther west than uh, than Waynesville or even Franklin, um, but um, our district it does have uh, unique characteristics about it. Um, clearly, we are you know entirely mountainous. Um, that means there aren't a lot of straight roads in the, right. in the Smoky Mountain district, which also means that um, um, as you're as you're trying to cover uh, ground here, that you have to take into consideration that. Not just that the roads are curvy, but that they're curvy because of mountains that are separating communities. There are geographical mountains. There are metaphorical mountains that separate some of our communities. Mm. They are very distinctive communities. And so, again, you may look at the, the, the road map of North Carolina and think, oh, that town's not so far from that one. They ought to be able to work together. Well, the truth of the matter is they are often uh, very uh, separated uh, because they're also isolated because of the geography. Um we are um, rural. We are, um, um, you know, proud mountain folks up here and uh, long-standing traditions. Um, we are fairly. I mean, I wonder if we're maybe the most rural of the uh, of of the districts, or certainly one of the most rural. I would think so. Um, you know, with Waynesville being our largest uh, our largest town, that tells you something right there. Right. Uh, that we are. You know, we don't really have a major urban area. No. Um, Asheville is uh, not in our district, and that's the nearest one. So um, so that that um, affects us. That means we have a lot of churches that are, are of modest size, um, and so um, their their way of doing uh, uh, worship and and other uh, forms of uh, of functioning as a church can be very different from the uh, the city churches uh, right. in in the other parts of our our conference. So, um, um, but I think it's a it's a wonderful district. I, I feel incredibly blessed. To be assigned to the Smoky Mountain District, uh, it's a beautiful corner of the world, um, and the people are terrific. So I'm I'm very excited to be here and I'm delighted uh, that uh, the district office is situated at Lake Junaluska. Um, I've had a connection to the lake since I was uh, 12 years old. Came okay. here on a, um, a, a youth um, scholarship for a, a convention of some kind. I can't even remember what the what the grouping was. A summer uh, program which was very formative to me in my uh, spiritual development even as a child. Um, and so uh, my wife, too, has been connected to Lake Junaluska since her childhood, and, of course, our daughter through us has, has been as well. So it's for my family, it's a very special thing, um, and uh, what a great uh, great place to be serving the Lord. Oh, no doubt, and I feel the same way. I, I think the first job I had out of seminary, I cleaned toilets at uh, – uh, camp adventure across the road, <laughs> and uh, I was doing this as a summer job before I went on to grad school, and so little did I know I would come back just across the street from my first job out of seminary. It, it is amazing. Uh, I was uh, uh, thinking that the other day, in fact, uh, talking uh, about this with uh, our, our district clergy, but uh, it is a funny thing how uh, God uh, works in our lives and how we can go full circle. I mean, here I was um, as a 12-year-old at, at Lake Junaluska, and then went off to uh, you know life and uh, the practice of law and living in in Norfolk, Virginia, and here I find myself back here uh, uh, professionally. So I'm, it's uh, it's it's a great life. 
Okay. Well, uh, you've been at it a couple of months. What now? What happens in the next couple of months, uh, the next year for you as the DS? Well, truthfully, God only knows. Uh, but um, in, in that regard, what I have in mind is um, um, a, a program that I've, I've already begun, and that is, um, um, first of all, similar to, again, what one does in a local church. And what I mentioned earlier is the building trust relationships, bonds of friendship and, and, and uh uh, collegiality with uh, clergy in the district as well as with the churches. So we are we are learning to hear one another and to trust one another. Um, we um, we met as a, as district clergy on on Tuesday and uh, um, focused on um, our call. Uh, I, I shared mine with them and, and then encouraged them to share theirs. I think that's foundational for us as pastors. Mm. And uh, then during our worship uh, service, we um, uh, focused on the spiritual disciplines a little bit. And uh, again, that's foundational for us as Christians, uh, but particularly for us as clergy. And I think um, strong clergy make strong churches. Hmm. So my first and foremost emphasis will be on assisting the clergy to be stronger in their Christian walks and in their um, uh, their pastoral responsibilities. I want to be a resource for them. I want to be a, an aid to them. Um, I want to help them in any way that I can in that regard. I certainly don't have all the answers, hmm. but I am uh, in this position. I do have access to a lot of resources that can be a benefit to them. So I'd like to to, to help them. So there will be a focus uh, from me on leadership development uh, in the course of this year. Um, related to that, of course, as my uh, role as uh, chief missional strategist, and that's according to the discipline, um, I will be um, uh, aiming to help the churches be more vital. Um, I think that's an ongoing process. I think it never stops, and yeah. uh, we can always grow. Um, even if we're already a vital church, we can we can be stronger for Christ's kingdom. So my my aim will be to work in that regard um, with the clergy and uh, with uh, our the uh, church vitality strategist assigned to our district, Luke Lingle. We've been working actively already uh, in that regard and, and making plans. And so. Um, uh, a great focus will be on helping the churches uh, to be more vital. That sounds good. Well, we've got about a minute left. I was going to give you an opportunity to preach. Anything else that you want to say to the, the folks of the Western North Carolina Conference to this district? Well, um, as, as I said earlier, um, I feel that um, I am abundantly uh, blessed to have been um, assigned here. Um, I'm also humbled by this um, by this new role. I, I, I in no way uh, feel deserving of it, um, and in many respects, it's 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 fairly intimidating by uh, all of the learning that's necessary um, and uh, the responsibilities that go with the job. So, um, if I if I have anything to say to the folks in our district, it would be um, to please uh, hold me in your prayers. Hmm. It's the responsibility of members of any church to hold their pastor or pastors in their prayers. It's important for us to understand our our mutual roles in that regard as the pastor holds the members of the congregation in her or his uh, prayers. And uh, likewise, um, I would uh, very much appreciate uh, the members of our district, uh, the, rep- the residents of our district and the members of our churches and clergy to, uh, to lift me up that I might serve God faithfully uh, in this capacity. Well, thanks. And thanks for giving your time today and blessings on this upcoming season of of charge conferences. I know that they'll get hard and heavy real soon. And thanks for listening to us on Blog Talk Radio. This show is going to be available as a podcast at our Blog Talk page and on the show's website and on iTunes now. And you can keep up with the latest on the website umconnect.info. 
We'll be back next week connecting United Methodists and their stories. Thanks to our sponsors, the Western North Carolina Conference and the United Methodist Foundation of Western North Carolina. You can find out more about them on the sponsors section of the website, umconnect.info. I'm Michael Rich, and you've been listening to Connect.